The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to planestalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. If you're playing a slow grinding game, I don't know what outgrinds Urza Saga every turn. Does this even count as Grixis control? I don't see Culligan's command. I don't see him to Turok. I don't see Liliana. Yeah, it doesn't have any of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. My buddy Jake's on vacation, so I ended up having to work today. But I uh, had a really good weekend. Yeah, this whole like not working on recording day is pretty sweet. Yeah, I get, it, makes like, it, it makes it a lot easier when you don't have to go to work and then come back to my place and then record a podcast and then go home and edit it. Mm-hmm. If you just sit around in your underwear all day and just wait for you to show up, then you'd probably, you know, it like makes recording a little bit. It makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah. We had the, uh, the hosts of the Family Gathering podcast down to my house for the weekend. They came in on Friday, left on Sunday, and we spent basically the whole weekend playing magic so yeah. it was a lot of fun I, I i came over for saturday and i got here like 10 uh, 10 or 30 or whatever and i think other than like a trip to the card shop and eating pizza we played like six games of commander i ended up playing like like 10 matches of popper yeah it was hilarious so so derek and joe from family gathering came down and towards the end of the evening i was like hey guys i kind of like want to scratch a competitive itch you know i really want to play like some and, he, and uh joe had brought like all their popper stuff so we started playing popper and we were like i'd I played Tron and I played, uh, I played like Affinity. I played Chatterstorm because I still had Chatterstorm put together. Yeah. We just kept playing stuff. And then I think you walked in and it was like, well, guys, I'm going to bed. It's midnight. <laughs> right. We were like, oh shit. Uh, yep. It's like, get out of my house. I guess we'll finish this game. <laughs> Derek's like already sleeping on the couch or laying yep. down. Yeah. He and I had been playing Soul Cal 6. Yeah. Well, you guys were just like, we needed a break from magic. So uh-huh. we were just playing through the arcade mode of Soul Cal 6. Yeah. It was funny. We were just, I, I, had no idea how late it was. We just kind of kept mashing decks against each other. Play, play, play. I went. It, it was my wife asked like, "Who, who was the winner?" And it feels almost like exactly half and half. Like we just very back and forth on like I would win some, he'd win some. I'd get screwed, he'd get screwed. But it was pretty fun just playing magic and then being like, "Oh crap!" It's uh, <laughs> it's because of the timeless essence of my basement. <laughs> it's it's just like we looked looked at my phone. I was like, "It's tomorrow." <laughs> yeah, I need to go home. I love it down here, dude. You can't, uh-huh. if you get into something, like when I was playing Satisfactory or 11, mm-hmm. you just, you completely lose track yep. of what you're talking, yep. like no what's win- going on. No windows, no sound, no nothing. Like, yeah, yep. the world doesn't exist. Yeah. It's a great place to just escape. Yep. It was pretty fun. I did bring over, so I always uh, save all my chaff. Like I do, I buy a lot of packs and I buy pre-release kit- kits because it's fun. And I always throw everything into a box that I don't care about. And then whenever I see Derek or Joe, I give them a box of usually like two to three thousand cards. And I guess this time it was Valentine's turn to get it. And so I got a text from Derek about how happy she was and how much fun they had going through and finding really fun cards to play and stuff to put in their decks. That's so awesome. Yep. One of the best things you can do if you have a lot of extra magic cards is find somebody with a young child that likes magic and, and just, just give them thousands of cards. Yep. And they just see their eyes light up. I was I was there when like because I had brought uh, the first batch uh-huh. up for Jonathan uh, and he just lost his mind. He's like, oh, my God. Yep. And he's just like, I got to go. So he, he sat down and just starts pulling them out and starts sorting them. Yep. And he's yeah, like, what, there's so many foils. What to me is this this 
clusterfuck yep. of mess is <laughs> them being... It, well, it's effectively just trash. It is. I mean, like, that's that's why I told... I, I gave it to them. And I was like, hey, I kind of feel bad if you don't want these. Because, like, to me, it's trash. Yeah. These are going in the garbage. I'm not going to haul around these, you know, Ravnica commons for the rest of my life. Um, but obviously, Derek was like, no, no, no. We, they, they love them. And they really enjoy getting the use out of them. And then just the knowledge that they get to go and be useful is so awesome. Yep. Like, I remember being that way when I was playing mm-hmm. Magic, too. Like... When you're younger, just having some cards as a collection yep. can make or break whether or not you play Magic. Yeah. Like, you're just like, I actually have a collection. It gives me something to do. I can store them. I well, can display them. That feeling of, it's yours. Like, yep, those these are, are my cards. Those are Jonathan's cards. Those are Valentine's cards. And so, like, if you want to, if Valentine wants to build a really fun new popper deck, that's her deck that she built with her stuff. It wasn't like asking dad for money or yeah. making some proxies and ordering them. It's like, no, I just built a deck that is mine. And that's a that, for me. That's a cool feeling when I get to take something that was mine and make something into it that's still mine. Yeah, I did the uh, the same thing the two times ago when I moved. Uh, a buddy of mine, Christian, plays Magic. Mm-hmm. No Christian, and I gave him probably like fifty pounds of cards. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I was just and I threw away another like twenty or thirty pounds. Like I yep. had a bunch uh-huh. of bulk because like I had a, a buddy give me his collection when he moved. And again, 90% yep. of collections are just bulk. Yep. Well, so it's, like you spent a lot of time playing standard. You went to yep. pre-releases. You did drafts. And you just accumulate a bunch of just junk. junk. Yep. I mean, 95% of cards are bad. Yeah. And so it was like, here's a starter collection. Uh-huh. Like, I know you're not going to use most of these. But like, I didn't go through. It's not like I went through and was like grabbing all the expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. I was just like, here's a box of cards completely yep. unsorted. Have at it, bud. They're yep. all yours. yours. And it's like, that's, if it's something you enjoy doing, it's a three or four hours of entertainment. Yep. Just looking through for treasures and things you want. And like, especially the people like, you know, Jonathan or Valentine, if you're new to the game, discovering all these new cards. That's the worst part about getting into magic is cause my wife has gone through it and we joke about it. Like people just say cards and it's like, oh, it's, it's like anguish I'm making. Cause I remember being in the card shop when I was playing with you guys and I had played magic in high school, but like not yeah. really. And I was playing a deck and people kept walking up and being like, oh, yeah, that's like a better version of Anguish and making or, oh, yeah, that's like a blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know what you're talking about because right. like, you just haven't seen 15,000 cards yet when you haven't been playing Magic for 10 years. So getting to just go through and just see all these cards and see tons of things, you get a better idea of like what is possible in Magic. And uh, it's just fun. Yeah, I'm sure they uh, were very excited to get all those cards. Save your bulk and then I mean like even if you don't have a friend to give it to you, I've heard a couple podcasts I listen to where like they run charities where you can mail them bulk. And I know it's probably kind of expensive, but they take that bulk and they take it to like schools. Yeah. And so like kids that maybe like less privileged or less they don't have as much money, but like they get to have a thing and enjoy a like a really good after school hobby of just nerding out on some fun stuff with a bunch of commons or whatever. Because like we've said, it doesn't matter how bad your deck is so long as everyone's deck is bad. Right. So if you got five people and they all build decks out of this uh-huh. box, then it doesn't matter. Yep. We're all know. casting four mana three threes. So it's no one gets blown out by a Ragavan. Right. We're all still playing magic. Yep. Anyway, so that's basically what I did this weekend too. I don't think I really did anything other than hanging out with you and the family gathering. Yep. Wife's birthday was on Sunday. So we just kind of hung out and recouped from the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, took the dog to a park. Yeah, we didn't do anything on Sunday. Yep. I, I don't think I left the house. Crash. Yep. I Sarah had a really rough day on Saturday, so we just stayed in and chilled and hung out. Yep. Speaking of chilling and hanging out, you guys should check out the Plane Soccer's podcast with Will and Aramis. 
Check out their twitch.tv forward slash Plains Talkers podcast on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard for a great standard-oriented podcast that'll let you know pretty much everything you need to know about the current standard meta. Head back on Wednesday at 7 p.m.-ish. Sometimes it's like 8, but they, they run around there. Make sure and follow them, and then just, you'll get a notification when they go live. But you can watch them play CommanderCraft over Spelltable. If you join the Discord, discord.plainstalkerspodcast.com, you can even maybe join one of those uh, Commander games. You can hop into our Discord. We share a Discord with them, and you can let us know what you think of the show. Make sure and check it out March 26th at 1 p.m. at the uh, that same Twitch. We're going to be hosting a like CEDH slash casual EDH day where we're going to be raising money for Extra Life. So if you come in there... Probably anytime between 1 p.m. and like 7 p.m. We're going to be playing games, chit-chatting. You can hop in the chat and talk to us and hopefully raise some money for a really good cause. And we'd sure love to see you come out. All righty, Matt, with all that out of the way, how's Legacy looking? A substantial improvement over last week. We still got a bunch of Delver. We even had a blue-red Delver top eight. But otherwise, it looks like a pretty decent metagame. Yeah. So I was excited to see it. We don't have 28% Delver. We don't even have 20% Delver. Correct. We still have 15, which is a lot. But to be fair, that's 15 in the top 32. We don't yeah. know what the whole tournament is. Um, Delver could just be overperforming, or you could yep. just have very good Delver pilots. There's uh, any number of explanations. Mm-hmm. And to kind of jump the shark a little bit, this week, uh, MTG Goldfish, the site we use, they ranked 10 decks as other. Right. So they kind of like unclassified. They weren't quite sure what to put it in. So the metagame this Sunday for Legacy was was kind of all over the place. Yeah, other is the biggest category yes. by t- a factor of two. Yep. So that's that's a good sign in my book. It's two JJM. Yep. Brought it, it home again. Two Zhizhim. Zhizhim with <laughs> eight cast. So awesome. I mean, Congratulations. Yep. Looks pretty similar to the la- list we saw last week. Three Kappas is like the like the kind of the defining characteristic of these right now because the deck was kind of already built. This was, I mean, Kappa Canyon was a perfect example of a card that the upon printing had a deck. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of like Ragavan <laughs> or DRC or Merktide. Only far more narrow. Far more narrow. Actually expensive. Yes. Does take over the game in this in probably even a greater way than yep. Ragavan does. I would yep. much rather sit down against Ragavan. Like this, this ends a game as quickly as Merktide. Oh, for, for sure. sure. And can even cost less. This is basically Affinity's Merktide. Yep. But it's like, I mean, I'll take Improvise over Delve any day of the week for a powerful card. Yeah. Realistically, we could probably do without the Ward 4 on here. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. I I think Ward 2 would have been correct for, for how cheap it is. Yeah. So I get Ward 4 for a card that, let's say you're reliably spending like four or five mana on. Ward 4 is like, I want to, you get your money out of it. Then I spent... At that point, just put Hexproof on it. Yeah. Well, like, uh, if, you know, if you spend four mana on a card and I spend, and I have to spend, let's say, an extra four mana to kill it, like that's kind of, now we're, we're approaching similar costs. I I can't store it for one. I have to pay four or five. Whereas Capicanier, you're usually paying one, one or two, and yeah. forcing your opponent to pay five. Yeah, I mean five, unless you're just straight up going to lose, just basically puts it out of reach. It's, you're it's, almost always better off yeah. to just cast your own thing than spend five mana to yep. blow some. Um, but yeah, it looks like for a while people were bouncing back and forth between uh like six or eight of the thoughts, whether thought monitor or thought cast. Um, looks like he's settled on eight. I think eight's correct. Like I just, I mean, we have enough free artifacts to consistently bring that down and without running cantrips i mean how many times have you wanted less card draw on your decks so i i think eight is the correct number but maybe six is pretty similar with how much filtering you have i mean i use not card draw but you have the bobbles those are all one you know one cantrips so they kind of get you a little deeper doesn't look like there's anything super spicy 
in the side either. The weirdest lands. thing is probably Crucible of the Worlds, so you can recur your Urza sagas. Yep, the, it's a good strategy to. Oh yeah, I like, mean, it's 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 a really weird grindy game where you have the time and mana to get Crucible of Worlds out, but it's that's like a solid backup plan where if you can and you can start the game is going that slow, you can recur Urza saga. And if you're playing a slow grindy game, I don't know what outgrinds Urza saga every turn. I know, right? Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what, <laughs> especially with what you're getting because you're going to crack your sagas. Yeah, you're like, making six, you're sixes making and six seven sixes, sevens. and then when you throw it away for, with your search, then you're grabbing either bobbles or like petals, petals, retrofitter foundries, mm-hmm. shadow spheres, and you're just going to keep doing that. Like, yep. that's a almost an unbeatable grind. Yep, pretty cool. So, uh, in second place, we got Bryant Cook. Big shout out to Bryant Cook. We're both huge fans over mm-hmm. here uh, with his uh, Delver Killer Storm. Yes, he was pretty animate. Or, yep, he was very, very excited that he found, a, uh, he brewed up a version of, of, I don't know whether he would call this, it, I, the technically post, has ad nauseum in it. It's, um, it's Tess, yeah. and it is, I want to say it's like 12.8 or whatever. I think he, num- it, 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 it got a new number for his storm, like, on his, on the, the epicstorm.com, he, um, he numbers them. He keeps track of the new variations. Gotcha. I think this was like the new numbered variation of Storm. Of of Tess of Tess yeah gotcha. so again I know the storm people are probably losing their minds it's 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 ad nauseum or it's Tess and it's just like I I, I don't to be perfectly honest I'm not in the weeds enough to know the minutia between them I right one of the things I do know um, and I've heard him talk about is that one of the key differences is whether or not you are using ad nauseum as your card advantage engine or if you are using Pass and Flames as your card advantage engine obviously there's other things that get involved but I think that's one of the big differentiatings between like Storm and Ant or Tess and Ant. So this one's using Galvanic Relay as its mm-hmm. card advantage engine. <laughs> so. yep. yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. The guy the guy that owns the EpicStorm.com made we'll it. So it I'm call- Relay. I'm calling it Tess because the <laughs> Tess guy brewed it. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. Whatever he wants to call it is yeah, what no I will call it. Uh, I just hadn't seen what he wanted to call it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we've speaking of like I said, it's got a Galvanic Relay uh, in the main. Those cards are probably a lot cheaper because they just got banned out of uh, Popper. I don't know how much cheaper they can get than 21 cents. <laughs> Less than a dollar. Uh, he does have three in the sideboard, so mm-hmm. it seems like in games two and three, he's going to highly uh, rely on the Galvanic Relays. He's got Defense Grid in the main, so he's not running Infernal Tutor. He's got uh, Burning Wish mm-hmm. in the main, so that's, again, a difference. Yep. So he can go get, he's, he's got an Empty, a Tendrils, an Echo, and a Peer in the side. Yep. All of those are going to be game-ending. I think the biggest thing that makes this like a Delver Killer is Probably the Galvanics, because if you can storm off and and get a Galvanic to resolve, well, no, no, one, you know, the other 15 copies will resolve. And then I think I think Delver is just screwed after that. And then four Carpet of Flowers in the side. Yes, which, the Carpet of Flowers is big. Like Delver just, I mean, once you get your first or second, like the deck that works on mana denial obviously doesn't do a very good job against making two to four mana a turn mm-hmm. off of their lands. But yes, other than that, I don't think it looks like anything like crazy different in this particular uh this is a burning wish list but yep. nothing crazy in here other than you know the galvanic relay coming in the carpets in the sides and then obviously tune this up to be a delver killer yep so in third place we have straight up whole breacher combo yes uh this is it says it's blue green it, it's got the green for some sideboard cards this is just pure blue yep. we're not running any swords <laughs> to plow shares or prismatic endings it's just the combo or choke in the side and th- three carpet of flowers yep. <laughs> these guys do i think not. someone else planned to beat delver today well i mean that's the thing just looking at it most played cards force will 69 percent in this oh, top 32 only going up it's only going up 
There's there's no reason to not be playing blue. Yep. So like you said, though, with this being a so we've seen we, we saw the first iteration of these day breacher decks come out and they were pretty aggressively combo oriented. Then we've seen a lot of like control style decks splashing into the combo with a couple narsets, maybe a yeah. few hall reachers and the Basically days undoing. would be like a Jess guy control list yeah, with, with a, a the s- finishers taken out like your planeswalkers would yes. be taken out and you'd be running hole breachers. A solid yeah. plan B. This is the opposite where like most of the control elements are removed and we replace them with man acceleration. Right. So pedals, diamonds, uh, chrome moxes and uh, the lands changed ancient yes. tomb and city of traders. We've got the the depletion lands from Marcadian Mascus. I don't know how many of you guys know that. It's, there's actually eight of them. I had kind of overlooked it. We've got the green one and the blue one. So you've got eight depletion lands. Yep. To really try to push so, this to go off by turn two or three. I'd never seen these. They're essentially lands that ETB tapped with two counters on them. You can tap them, remove a counter, and then you add two colored mana, either blue or green. So just to allow that super explosive turn two. Yep. Like this is... This is all combo all day with like four force of will is the only way this deck interacts with. All, I mean, okay, so four force of will and one aether spell bomb. Other than that, we're not touching any of your stuff. I yep. guess we do have a, we have to commit a four mana bounce. Like yeah, like yeah. So this deck is it's it's a combo deck now. Whereas it there was like it could be a control deck. It, I've heard people talk about like you you need to play it like a combo deck even though it has some control elements. And then uh, uh, Ghash seventy seven was like, "Well, if we're gonna play it like a combo deck, let's play it like a combo deck." Yep. And I actually really like the uh, on top of the whole breacher combo, he's got Karn the Great Creator, which is Nolrod, and he's got the Mycosynth Lattice. The combination of those with the Depletion Lands really makes sense. That curves out perfectly. You drop Karn on turn uh, two because you can you oh, Depletion you can Land turn one, untap Ancient Tomb, play an Ancient Tomb. Yep. Karn. Then next turn, play another Soul Land, and you got Mycosync Lattice. I mean, you're talking about a turn three Mycosync Lattice mm-hmm. lock with the, like, yeah. this is all yep. in on combo. Yeah, because you've got six untapped Soul Lands, and then, and then eight, eight tapped sl- soul. Sl- slow Soul Lands. Yeah. Whew. Strong. Oh, it does run Otawara, so we do yeah. have a couple more I removal mean, spells. Well, that's the thing, is, like, this deck has, it's a blue deck with one island in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that's and cool obviously deck. it's got... Uh, Urza Saga, so you've still got the retrofitter, retrofitter Foundry uh-huh. uh, package there, because why wouldn't you run that? Yep. Um, it's, it's just your great plan B. Yep. Or even like maybe like turn if it's going to be a slow, maybe it's a. I, I guess you would never probably keep a slow one. You'd probably never keep a like make Urza Saga tokens and then come off later. That's probably just plan B. Like turn four or five, you you failed out, you fizzled. Well, yeah, and the, go for this. The, the thing with this deck is this deck is not relying on grinding at all. It's just once wanting to windmill slam a fucking combo and end it. Yep. So like, like the saga is probably in there because there's almost no deck building cost more than anything else. And then it's just like, well, in the it does tutor some stuff up. It's it costs you six slots, but what else are you gonna run? Yeah. So yeah, the combo is pretty compact. The combo is pretty compact, and he's got. I mean, he's got a bunch of them in there. And the nice thing is your your stuff like Days Undoing or Echo of Aeons, in theory, especially with Lion's Eye Diamond, they do draw you into the combo pieces. Mm-hmm. So, like, even if you have to fire a one-off early, which even Echo of Aeons, it costs six. But when you're running, what do we the, say? All the soul four, lands. Uh, 14 soul lands. Yeah. The odds that, odds are you could just pop that off on turn three anyways after mm-hmm. you've emptied your hand and then draw into your whole breacher, flash it back the next turn, and you're good to go. Yeah, possibly. So, it's probably unlikely, but possibly. Yeah. Well, it's just, these are all just angles of attack that you That's have true. to watch out for. That's true. Like, you're going to be, like, the way I kind of play it with, like, elves is I try to just get a good hand as opposed to mulliganing, sending back hands that are, like, 
you don't want to try to over mulligan to a perfect hand. Mm -hmm. You just kind of have to like get a decent hand and then attack it whichever angle your deck is giving you. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that this deck plays a lot like that. Sometimes you're just going to windmill slam the Karn with uh, Michael Synth Lattice. You're like, well, got that hand. Like you're going to be looking, this is going to be like poker hands where you're like, oh, I need to play for a full house here. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, I need to play for a straight, like something like that. Yep. Whether, rather than having like, since because you don't have cantrips, so you can't dig. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like you, you don't get to go pick your combo pieces. You just run enough combo pieces that you draw into them and you do whatever combo that you happen to get. Yep. And those soul lands really probably uh, facilitate that. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's cool. That's a cool list. Yep. Let's keep moving. I like, I like these shorter episodes we've been cranking out. Yeah. <laughs> as the editor. Lazy Jake. As the editor. I like the Only quicker episodes. Only wants to put in five or six hours of work for our one hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> So anyway, in fourth place. <laughs> yep. Next up in fourth place, we've got it's listed as four color stone blade. I don't know what the creator of this deck would call it. Uh, it looks a lot like an Esper vial list without the vials. Mm -hmm. it, um, look, it, it looks like they might have they replaced the vials almost one for one for prophetic prisms because like everything else looks just like a vial list. Like all, I mean, jailer, true name, soul herder, plague engineer, like Baron. A lot of these are the cards we were, we've been seeing yep. in the in the Esper vial lists. But you've got the four stone forges and the four recruiters. Yeah. Kind of get whatever you need. Other than that, Hidetsugu is in here in the side, which doesn't really surprise me necessarily. The card's seeing a lot of play, but to me, that just screams testing. Right. That that's what I mean. Like mm -hmm. it's just one of like this card's getting thrown all around a lot. Yeah. Um, and it, it probably does help clean up the uh, the the go wide aggro decks. Something like this would have a hard time with resolve or beating yeah. with things like you've got a lot of three drops and four drops in here that you're going to use to finish the game with. Um, Soul Herder and Solitude and maybe Skyclave for some late interaction. Whereas in those turns one, two, and three, where your opponent gets to kind of go wide with a Death and Taxes board or go wide with an Elves board, you might be able to bring in that Hidetsugu, slam it on turn three, and get a sweet like three for one. Like when I look at these lists, I know it does run four Brainstorm and four Ponder, which is another way now. Not that that's a surprise. But like when I look at these lists, I see a two of that you can't tutor for in an 80 card yep. deck. I know. And I go, what else would I rather have that be? I just see so much inconsistency. But, but well, like the rest of the sideboard, you've got Plague Engineer, Magus of the Moon, Hole Breacher, Fairy Macabre, Meddling Mage, Aethersworn Canonist. Like you've got a bunch of creatures you can tutor for. And I get Pyroblast because it's just super efficient. Mm -hmm. Same thing with uh, Surgical extra Extraction. But I don't know how often you'd want uh, Thugu versus like Plague Engineer. Yeah, because you can go get, you can I mean, tutor. You got one in the main. Yeah, Tsugu is better against like Saga. Yeah, well, I mean, then like, like Saga and Vile, well, and, and what, guess, like it's good against the artifacts and whatnot. Chalice, but how often are you going to get it when you can't tutor it up? Yeah, yeah it's so that, that's always the problem with these. Like I should say, problem. That's always the thing with these Yorion decks where you look at this eighty card deck and go, man, you've got two or three cards out of your eighty. Like that's the chances of getting that are just a solid chunk lower Same thing but, with like the two to fairy time ravelers mm -hmm. like it's a great card but like how often do you draw yeah. it well it's like so and the, how often do you draw it when you need it the idea is that you put two in a 60 card deck you put two of something if you are happy to see it regularly i think the whole thing is like you put four of a card that you want to see every game you put three of a card you want to see almost every game you put two of a card you're pretty happy to see most games and one of a card you're happy to see once in a while and so like this to fairy in an 80 card deck just hits that like i guess i'm okay seeing a teferi once in a while yeah he affect he i mean he cycles basically he does a lot of times cycle but i mean he's a good yeah. card I, I, i'm up to four in most of my decks he's, he's really good. bad it's just like that could be one or two more utility creatures mm -hmm. that 
like silver bullets. Yeah, they're um, you're missing out on two silver silver bullets for a boomerang. Mm-hmm. So again, what do I know? Yeah. And I mean that literally. Yes. Like I'm not being sarcastic. Nope. Yeah, These guys are putting up results, but it's I mean, interesting. Just what interesting, we do. interesting to see these like what look to be critically in a, or not inefficient, but uh, uh, inconsistent decks that do really well. That's just maybe that's that's where legacy is right now. Well, and I mean, how many times do we have the conversation of consistency versus power? Yeah. A lot of times you're just like, well, I'm going to throw in Teferi because he's good and he's a powerful card. And the games where I get him, I'm better off yeah. than not having him. So screw it. Uh, next up in fifth place, we've got. Naya okay, depths. Yeah, it's just green, white depths with yep. red. Yeah. Naya. Yeah, quote unquote, depths. I will never call this Naya. Depths. Literally. So you can run pyro four blast. pyroblast. It threw me off because I was looking at why it would be. Where's the red? Where's the red? Yeah, like, this is no, Celestia this is just, depths. Yep, it's just green. And I like. Yep. It's uh. Didn't we call this uh, four or twelve rot? Uh, is this? So it's not twelve rot. Oh, we yeah, got, yeah, yeah. You've yeah. got four reclaimer. You've got three Night of the reliquary, and you've got four crop rotations. So this is eleven rot, but this is a crop rot deck. So yep. you, and it's just tons of utility lands and Thespian stage and what you might call it. Or, uh, Power out that dark depths. That dark depths. I mean, on top of that, worst comes to worst, a, a ten ten Night of the reliquary is pretty scary too. See, what's paradox zone in the battlefield growth? Counter on it, beginning of your end step, double the number of growth counters, mm-hmm. then create a green and blue fractal token, put X plus one plus one counters where X is number of growth counters. That's like a very long, that card's probably pain for control decks. That is exactly what it's there for. So I learned about this card from uh, Bosch and Roll mm-hmm. on, on, the, uh, on his podcast, Eternal Glory, talking about he started putting this in his Bant lists as a mirror breaker for okay. like when the game, again, you, th- you think about a Bant mirror where... Decking is a win con. If you can slam a paradox zone, being a five mana enchantment, it's very hard to remove. And in the manner of you know three or four turns, that's you're going to be cranking out four fours, eight eights, sixteen sixteens. Like, well, yeah, and it, even if they never get that big, just getting like a two or three for one in a control mirror is huge. Yep. Like if you can go up, a lot of those mirrors are decided by one or two cards. Mm-hmm. It's just like who gets the most two for yep. ones, and then who ants who. Who is able to present a threat that sticks for more than yep. a couple turns? And I mean, think about what you bring in in a control mirror. It's probably not disenchant. Right. It's well, anymore, disenchant's basically falling out of favor for prismatic ending. Exactly. And which is basically impossible. You almost can't kill that. And almost guaranteed to not be ending it. Like this just dodges the removal. And if you're going to start spending your swords against my fractal tokens. Then I'm going to win that game. The anyway. game is absolutely going to be going to be mine. Yep. Now, since we said that, you know what does get rid of the fairy <laughs> he bounces it <laughs> you can bounce it and then give yourself a chance to counter it catch it on the way back down yeah, yeah. i mean that's a must force absolutely thing. Yep. Um, that's one of those like the game will be over in four turns a hundred percent and i and i and like i'm not even really drawing to anything right i just need to just you need yeah. to deal with this thing or the game is over yep um in sixth place we've... whoa is it 2017 yes it is there's no death right shaman no <laughs> thank god for that <laughs> Grixis. Um, yeah, we've got Grixis Control. We actually have, uh, well, we can talk about them both. Does this but... even count as Grixis Control? I don't see Culligan's Command. I don't see him to Turok. Ugh. I don't see Liliana. Yeah, it doesn't have any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> what it has is Hidetsugu consumes all. Mm-hmm. There's your uh, Culligan's Commands. And uh, it's got Days Undoing and Hole Breacher replacing your like Lilianas and your Snapcaster Mages. So... Since we've mentioned it a couple times, uh, Hidetsugu consumes all. We actually did talk about it in our preview episode. Yep. But this, this, a yeah. lot of people missed this because it kind of screwed under the radar as being what we thought was like, that's barely legacy playable. 
And I mean, now we're seeing it in a four of and a top eight. So it's obviously been a lot better than people thought. So one red black for a mythic enchantment saga that is not legendary, by the way. Which you, is important. You could play three Especially of them. in these control Yes. Mirrors. So it's a saga. First chapter, destroy each non-land permanent with mana value one or less. Lots of things that hits. I mean, literally tokens, most of your elves. I talked last week. I'm running March of the white March because it's X. It's it's white X. And usually there's so many things in magic that cost zero or one that you're willing to pay extra to to kill it. Like Mm -hmm. so good. So destroying all of them that cost one or less is pretty strong Two exile all graveyards. Not always a good thing, but almost never a bad thing with the deletion of like snapcaster mage and no like merc tides or anything that's if you look at one of the i don't mean to interrupt you but the first two hits nothing in exactly. this deck yeah and that's, that's super important that's that is very important deck building yep. like if you're gonna if, i mean you're running for something you're gonna leverage this hitatsugu you cannot be letting it get you this needs to be a three for one as many times as possible yep. uh and it's easy to make it a three for one when it on third chapter flips into a Oh, I got to find a different page so I can actually read this monstrosity of a freaking card. So it flips into a 3-3 enchantment creature, Ogre Shaman, Vessel of the All-Consuming. Trample, whenever Vessel of the All-Consuming deals damage, just deals damage, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And then whenever the Vessel of the All-Consuming deals damage to a player, if it has dealt 10 or more damage to that player this turn, they lose the game. Now, and that the that seems more like flavor text. The odds of that happening is probably pretty low where they get hit for 10 all at once. Right. However, it is a 3-3 with trample that gets bigger every time it blocks or attacks. Mm-hmm. Within reason, you could like block. No, it's trample, so you can't like block bounce. So every time. That's a pretty good creature to staple onto a saga. Yeah. And well, the great thing about this is your control deck. It's not trying to end the game quickly. Nope. So it's perfectly happy to play this as, on turn three. Wipe the board. On turn four of hope, small things, of yes. small things, but I mean, in legacy, that's wiping the, for the most part, that's yep. wiping the board. You save your, you know, especially I, you can look at this. They've really built their whole deck around this. We've got edicts in the main. Mm-hmm. So you wipe the board of anything relevant. And then if they have a Merc Tide or whatever sitting around, then you can just edict it away. Yep. Like this clears the path, makes your edicts a lot better, especially given that they have split seconds. So you can't counter them. So you've got a very clean answer to a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, and then, it doesn't hit anything you're playing. And then again, on the next turn, yep. clear all the graveyards, hopefully prevent a Merktide in time. It may or may not happen, but I mean, you at least prevent the second Merktide. Yep. And then you get a dude and you can start beating face. Yeah. It's a really, it's one of those things where like the first two are probably, are pro- the, the, the first two are probably almost good enough. And then stapling on a creature at the end that is a, that can be a very real clock is like just kind of like over the top. Like this is definitely approaching playable slash maybe good. Yep. One thing that is relevant on top of it's not legendary. So you could have three vessels of the all consuming out at once. It would be just annoying as hell. Yep. (laughs) When it flips over, it does maintain the CMC of the front. So even though it's like there's no CMC in the top right, there's no mana cost. It still costs three. So like prismatic ending would have to be three colors. As or like fatal push, you'd have to have revolt. But a pretty cool Grixis list. Um, Narsets and Jaces as planeswalkers, hole breachers and baleful strix as creatures, and then things like Bolt, Push, uh, Brainstorm Ponder, Edict. There's so the days undoing packages here. You have yep. two days undoing, two hole breacher. Kind of like we, we what we saw those breacher decks becoming, which was just a splash combo fit into blue shells, and then uh, six forces. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of. Like the thing is, it's just whole breacher in of him, in and of himself is just a good card. Mm-hmm. 
Same thing with Narset. Like, Narset gen- can generate a shit ton of value over the course of a game. Mm-hmm. And then all you got to do is just chuck in two days undoing, and every now and then you just own your opponent. Yep. <laughs> Especially, again, there's a lot of control running around. That is insane. I mean, that's just game over in a control deck. They have no way... There's no like, way for a control deck to beat another control deck when their opponent has seven cards and you have zero. Like the the, like, the decks just aren't designed to do that. I was playing Grixis uh, Grixis Delver the other day with my new uh, Legacy deck, and I mean, like it was a fun game. I lost because they cast uh, Painful Truth twice and drew six cards, and yep. I was like, like the first time I was like, oh fuck, that's good. And then he uh, put a Misty Sanctuary in and cast it again. And I was like, I think well, I that's just game over. I think I just lost this game. <laughs> yep. uh, my opponent just drew <laughs> six just, cards. He just went up four cards on me yeah. i'm in deep shit <laughs> yeah uh in seventh place we've got blue red delver just double check and make sure there's been no changes there one gut shot in the main again so we're back interesting to that. i hate Don't days have... so much yep i played a bunch of delver last night or a couple nights ago and uh man i hate days days is so good delver is just i think one of the things that pisses delver off the most and i could be wrong here but i think this probably applies to you too is more than any other deck delver punishes mediocre to bad hands if yeah. you mulligan even once against Delver, if you mulligan to six and it's not a good six, it feels you're bad. in deep shit. It feels very bad. <laughs> like, cause you're just, the game's not going to go very long. They're going to have an answer for almost everything you're playing. And then with stuff like Merktide Regent, they just close the game out before you even get, before you can get your feet underneath you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it punishes mediocre hands and mediocre players. Yep. Oh yeah. You got to play very tight magic against yeah. Like every single mana counts. The sequencing of your cantrips matters. Making sure you don't just walk into a daze you don't have to matters. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you could you could just fight because like if you're in like if you're not playing against Delver, you're not in the Delver opponent mode, a lot of times you'll play your cantrip and keep your land in your hand because you don't want to play the wrong land. That's very easily the wrong play. Yep. A lot of times you got to play your land out so you're days proof. Yes. Because if I if I'm sitting as a, against a Delver player and I see my opponent with one land and they fire off Ponder, you bet your ass yep. I'm going to. It's got to be. That. <laughs> you have to. I mean, you should ask yourself every single time you cast a spell, am I going to play around days this time? Right. And, and that's a lot of mental work. It is. So it is. Delver just really punishes. You're just both, yeah. Mediocre hands both. and mediocre players. Yep. And when a mediocre player gets a mediocre hand, you you're have just, no chance. You're <laughs> fucked. Yep. <laughs> anyway, yep. Brazen, so Brazen Borrower Delver list looks pretty stock. Yeah, uh, I didn't see anything in there that looked particularly spicy. For what, it, for what it's worth, no Mystic Sanctuary. Uh, there was one in the side. Oh, I'll take that back. Yep, one in the side. Um, and then eighth place, we've got that other Grixis list again, pretty similar to what it was. Uh, to the one in sixth place. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got only one whole breacher and one day's undoing. Uh, we still have four in our set, so you still have five a five and one ratio there. Yep. Uh, we do have two preordained, so a little heavier on the cantrips. A couple more one ofs in that you've got like yeah. so less sudding edicts, but like a thought seize, a pyroblast, a, a little bit more diversity in the general and the generic spell suite. Yep. Still, yeah, same planeswalkers, similar creatures, and same enchantments with those Hitatsugus. And those one ofs are really strong when you have a lot of. Yep, and I can even see that you just you cut some, uh, cut a couple things, run a couple one ofs, throw in a couple more preordains, so you can see those yep. one ofs more often, and you just give yourself a little bit higher of a ceiling and a, a little bit lower of a floor. All right, um, how's our meta game look? We got one. Sorry, we have one ruination in the side of that deck. When was the last time you saw ruination outside of EDH? Destroy yeah. all non basic lands. That's an intro. That's weird. Yep. I, I what's the? I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing running that over. Uh, isn't the other one better? The uh, what's the it's three and a red and you get basics a lot like uh, um jeskai control decks used to run them a lot well it's I, it's three and a red you destroy all non-basic lands and then the owners get to search up a basic for each one. Oh, gotcha yeah i don't know 
from the ashes, something like that. Anywho, yeah, I just it's weird that 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 came in second to Ruination, where this just destroyed. Like that's usually they usually almost read the same. Like most decks don't have a bunch of basics, a bunch of basics, but that's kind of interesting. Yeah, Yeah, that's an interesting uh, sideboard. We're seeing uh, a couple lists had energy flux again. We've been seeing a lot, but. Just to keep an eye out, if you're running anything like 8-cast or anything like that, you're going to be mm-hmm. prepared to see energy. Uh, everything else looks pretty stock, though. So, we're going over to our metagame summary. We've got, like I said, 31%, a full third, almost a full third of the uh, top 32 is other. A lot of that's probably these Grixis lists. I don't see them actually on the the named decks and under the metagame summary. Um, but still, that's just exciting. that the For the first time in months, really, We've had something other than Blue Red Delver as the top, and that's a big deal. Uh, in second place, <laughs> we've got Blue Red Delver with five of the top 32, 15.6%. Uh, then we got a bunch of two ofs and one ofs. So we've got two eight casts, two stone blade, two painter, and then a bunch of one ofs. We've got uh, Brian Cook with his one epic storm. Most played cards, brainstorm, sorry, most played cards, force will, brainstorm, ponder, lotus petal, and surgical extraction. And top creatures, Baleful Strix, so there's that Grixis stuff floating around, Murktide Regent, Delver, DRC, and Holebreacher. I'm glad to see at least some other creatures bookending the Delver list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not just, <laughs> Man. you know, all of Delver creatures and then some other things. 70% of decks running Force of Will. Holy cow. Yep, and then top spells, same thing, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lotus Petal, Surgical Extraction. That's Legacy this week. Yeah. So for Modern, we got to have a super qualifier to talk about, which is pretty cool. I did look at the at least the Sunday challenge, and well, I'm not going to read through the decks. It was pretty much exactly what we've been seeing with things like uh, Murktide and Four Color and Yorion lists. But as is our tradition, we talk about like the biggest, most impactful tournament. And this is like a brand new metagame, at least in essence, where yeah. with Luris being gone, that's the shakeup we haven't seen in a very long time. Yep. So like a shakeup to that size. Yeah, basically. I mean, since Modern Horizons 2 came out, this is yeah. the biggest change. I mean, in fact, I think it's the only change. Yeah. Uh, Other like than just natural metagame. Legit, yeah, like legit large. Like, I mean, Kamigawa added a decent number of cards to a lot of archetypes, but yeah. like nothing compared to Luris being banned. So first place, we have Azax with a Grixis Shadow list. So pretty much what everybody expected and like day one said, we just took out Kroxos and we put in Murktides. Yep. Because we don't have, we don't have, uh, whatchamacallit, Luris anymore. We don't have Luris, and so we are no longer priced out of running a nice big fat seven drop that only costs two mana anyway. Croaks is good, but not when you can't recur it for free. Like the whole, like I mean, a great loop with Luris was just be like every turn cast Croaks from the graveyard. Yeah, and to the, hit your opponent. They're either discarding a card or losing three life. Yeah, so it's either a lightning bolt or a yeah. thoughtseize. It's one of those and uh, so like a good comparison like Liliana, you can't just like draw land, keep it. Because you lose three life if you discard a land or nothing. So, like, that's a very common... Like, if you're playing against Liliana, you could just keep lands. Or you could try and, like, build up a thing around it. To, yeah. Or to, like, maybe try and force your opponent to keep forcing the Liliana minus to discard. Because it's hurting them, too. Whereas, uh, Kroxa didn't care. But, Grixa Shadow doesn't care about that when you can just pay two mana for an 8-8. And punch them by the face with it. Yep, and just end the game rather <laughs> quickly. Turns out when Death Shadow is a one mana 5-5 five five and Murktide's a two mana 8-8, eight eight, you've got a really powerful deck on your hands. The spell suite looks pretty much identical. Drowns, expressives, uh, lots of hand disruption with thought seizes and inquisitions, pushes, considers, stuff like that. Uh, the deck looks pretty similar to what we've been seeing, except we've got Merktides now. Um, one little side note. Always got to correct kind, me. No, this is, it's not a correction. Uh, this is an addition. 
Mishra's Bobble's still around, which mm-hmm. doesn't surprise me. A lot of people were like, oh, Mishra's Bobble's dead. There's no Luris. And my thing was, we still have DRC and Unholy Heat. That's one of the best threats and one of the best removal spells. Yep, Mistress Bobble is very is good enough to justify those. I heavily underestimated its play patterns with those two cards. Like I didn't think Mistress Bobble was dead, but I thought it was like a lot more useless. I um, think if you only had one of those, it would be. But I think I in particular, I think Unholy yes. Heat is just so being able to hit a six drop or, a, or prime effectively time. a six drop prime for time. one mana. And all it costs you is having a free cantrip in your deck is yep. I was very <laughs> pretty good. I was wrong when I saw that. Like I thought, Mister Bob was going to really tank and just kind of be a, a lot more rare and very niche. And I just I wasn't thinking about it. yeah DRC and Unholy Heat just changed that equation so much. It was a good point. Well, and to be fair, it will see reduced play because there was if you were running Luris, obviously you weren't always running Unholy Heat or DRC. It's just. It's not totally dead because the decks that want those cards still want Mishra's Bobble, but like you don't need a Mishra's Bobble or four Mishra's Bobble in something. I mean, I don't know for sure if they run them, but like Luris would be in Hammer Time. That gives you incentive to run Mishra's Bobble, whereas without it, you don't run it. Whereas something like Grix's uh, Shadow is already running things without Luris, so there's still that incentive there. So it kind of just divides the decks now as opposed to having them all run Bobble because yep. they all run Luris. Now you need a reason to run it otherwise. It's just there's some decks that have the reason. So you weren't wrong, just just wasn't the whole story. Yep. I, Magic's I, yep. real fucking complicated. It's more complicated than I thought, and I, I, I missed some things for sure. In third place, no, in second place, we've got a, what to me is hilarious, it's labeled as a Yorion Blink list, and it runs one Ephemerate. <laughs> right. It's a four-color Yorion list yep. with Omnath, Ice Fang, Fury Solitude, and then <laughs> 11 Planeswalkers between Teferi, uh, Time Raveler, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, and Renin Six. Pretty common that you've seen these like four-color Yorion, like kind of controly decks. Like this one isn't as controly, where it's only got four counter spells. Like the real control decks are running four Archmage's Charm, four counter spells, and then a lot more removal. Yeah. This is just running uh, some bolts, some prismatic endings, and counter spells. But yeah, we've seen these decks. A we've bunch. seen these decks. This is like the Yorion quote unquote ephemerate decks have definitely split into like two or three distinct archetypes within themselves. And this is one that we've seen a lot where you've got like you 10, 14 creatures, 10 planeswalkers, and then a minor litany of spells to help help keep the game going long enough that you can get there. Yeah, I mean, this is <clears throat> at this point, you just we just need to call these like Yorion super friends. Like that's what this deck that, is. Yeah, 11 planeswalkers. Yeah, yeah, that's a super friends deck. Like, I mean, you're there's gonna be very few times where you have less than or you have less than one planeswalker out. Yeah, and it, I mean, it really draws a distinction between like this true Yorion blink decks, which just run a ton of ETBs and the full ephemerate package mm-hmm. and everything, and then these, which are just I mean, running primarily like, planeswalkers. I mean, like, when I, when I think of like Yorion blink, I think of like the ephemerate eternal witness package you see a lot. Yeah. Like that's kind of the top end of that they deck. They really sometimes. want to sit there and dirtle. Yes, which if people are realizing that dirtling is the wrong decision, then I'm happy to hear that. Hopefully, maybe they l- listen to us and and uh, realize the truth. Third place at a hammer time list come in. Shockingly, no Luris in this hammer time list. It's that's kind of a so weird, weird decision. I don't know why we wouldn't run Luris. I, it's such a good card in the deck. <laughs> but I guess if you don't run Luris, you do get to buy yourself three nettle cysts, and yeah. that's a pretty powerful card. Uh, nettle cyst is pretty much always a four four or higher. <laughs> yeah, like that you can easily get with. Your four Stoneforge Mystics and crack them in there um, at instant speed with Stoneforge. Pretty powerful. However, that is pretty much the only thing we're buying in the main board. Probably the spiciest thing I see here is the one of Reality Chip. Now, I have seen Reality Chip do some real work in Standard. 
get that thing onto a creature and just being able to just draw, usually end up drawing two or three cards a turn, just mm-hmm. running to the top of your deck is powerful. Obviously, it's a lot harder in modern, but probably easier in something like um, Hammer Time when you're like your whole game plan is to go what anyway. Your game plan is to have creatures. It sucks, oh, yeah. to, it sucks to stick three mana into equipping it, but you've got tons of ways to cheat that anyway with things like Pure Steel Paladin or... Sigarda's Aid. Well, I don't think Sigarda's Aid would... Whenever an equipment enters the battlefield, it's... I guess it enters as an equipment because it's an equipment jellyfish. Yep. So yeah, so yeah, you, we, yep, you, you, you can... pop it right on. When you can cheat that cost. That, that changes a lot. Oh yeah, you throw that on an Ornithopter and yep. you're happy for, to like have said, a... Drawing two cards, two cards extra a turn <clears throat> is huge. Yep, and then since Luris is gone, we've got the swords and cauldron complete in the side now. Oh, I didn't even see so, that. Yep. So that makes sense. So you've got the top end there just stuck in the side. You've even got Teferi Time Ravelers in the side. And we've just, got some March of the Otherworldly Light, Jake. Yep, I think it's a really good card. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, I didn't discover the truth. Uh, Aspiring Spike opened my eyes to it where he was playing it because uh, I kind of wrote it off as like, well, that's just a worse prismatic ending. Why would I play that? And he was he was playing in a thing and he's like, I, I get that it, it, his words, essentially, I get that it's a worse prismatic ending, but prismatic ending is freaking amazing. Yeah. If, prim- is prim- if prismatic ending is a 10, which yeah, I would argue it probably it's is probably a nine or a 10 playing sixes or sevens is still a good. Card. Yeah. And like, <laughs> this is probably a six or seven, maybe an eight. And again, just because of that, like that pitch clause is. Yeah. Well, like, and so we, I was like, I took a second look at it. And I'm like, I need to try this card. Well, and we had talked about it. Like, how many times would you pay one more for your prismatic ending yes. to be an instant? Exactly. Like, that's basically what and that's you're basically doing. what it is. And it's pretty good, especially in a deck like this where it's only got two colors. Fourth place was Amulet Titan. Cool to see Titan back in. I'm trying to go a little faster because we're going a little long and we do have a third topic this week that we're probably going to get a little in depth on. So I'm looking for, let's try and do 10 minutes to get the rest of these out. It's a primetime list. It does, I talk about it does run two Cultivator Colossus, which is something we heard people talking about in the primetime world running this as like a backup Primeval Titan because it's just like such crazy value in these decks that run 31 ish lands. So. Uh, well, and it pairs very well with primetime, mm-hmm. assuming you have them both out. Every time he swings, you get two lands. Then you get to play lands Man, from your battlefield. I, then you I don't to... need to sit here and watch you diddle yourself. Like If That's you all... have primetime and Cultivator Colossus and your opponent hasn't scooped, I mean, come on. Hey. You gotta kill me. <laughs> I guess that's true. I don't scoop. <laughs> I guess that's true. But you never really, know when I'm gonna top deck something good. It is a really cool plan B in these decks where I mean your plan is to ramp out six a six drop. A seven drop isn't totally outside their own possibility, especially if if your first prime time gets answered, which does happen very often these days. Uh, a cultivator colossus is a great backup to not only get a bunch of lands out, but also get some good card advantage where you can cast that, maybe dump two or three lands you've you've been bouncing back to your hand and draw a couple cards. And it beats face like a mother effer. If you got 30 lands, you're hitting your land drops. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be if big. If it's an 8-8 trample, like... That ends the game just as quick as prime time. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out Merc Tide swinging for 8 every turn ends it in a, in a turn or two. So yep. I'm guessing this does a pretty good job, too. Other than that, like, the Besaju's in the in the man base are obviously probably the biggest pickups of, of recent. Like, Besaju just rounds out so many bad matchups. I mean, what's the best card to put in against prime time? Blood Moon. Yeah. Yeah. I was... Blanking on that. I saw you. I saw you like your like, your hamster spin blood moon, yeah. and like it used uh, hammered to ha- or uh, prime time used to have a, a god awful time beating blood moon, and now it's like uh just kill it for two mana on your turn. Yeah. So. Yep. Blood moon. Uh, float two. Yep. Okay. Resolves and the main phase and the main phase. Yep. <laughs> yep. Not to mention, I mean, there's plenty. Like it's pretty easy to have a green. Like it's pretty easy to have yeah. one green if you're playing it. If you're re- if you're ready for it in any capacity, having a green man is not hard to do. A, a forest, so obviously a great pickup. Other than that, pretty pretty stock. Yeah, well, list. I mean, you can tell it's got two in the main and two in the side. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, because it's, well, it's like the deck almost scoops the blood moon effects. 
Uh, it does have two tur two turn timber symbiosis. That's a seven mana sorcery. You get to look at the top seven cards and you put a creature card from among them into play. Obviously, pretty good with uh, hammer or with Merktide with Merktide yep. with Prime Time. All these acronyms I keep. But with prime time's pretty good, even called Fair Colossus, and being just a green mana, a green land on the back is always oh yeah, the, it's always a good fallback. The the dual sided cards or the double face cards, whatever they um, wizard's official name, those M are all just really solid cards. MDFC, modal oh. double face card. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, those are probably the biggest pickups. Like the Boseju, the Turntiber is kind of weird, and seeing Cultivator is kind of an odd choice, but not unheard of by any means. Fifth place was a Murktide Regent deck, something we saw a couple decks on Sunday actually. Looks like a pretty common Murktide list with DRC Ragavan Murktide, your very generic suite of charms, counterspells. Uh, Spell Pierce is a little odd, but Spell Pierce has been making a bit of a comeback lately. And then Bolts considers Unholy Heats. Like, it's it's Blue Red Delver. We well, said every spell week. Spell Pierce is just, it's it's primarily medical. Yep. Like, if you're going to. Um, I have noticed that Blue White X control has been really picking up, especially in the leagues lately. And Spell Pierce is just one of the best ways to get around that where they're. Obviously, really straining in turns two, three, and four to to be ready to counter those critical turns, and just having a one mana. Nope, yep. my thing resolves. Yep, it's my, you don't get to kill my Murktide this turn. Yep, exactly. Take eight, or my Ragavan gets through. Yeah, and yep. I get I get the ramp. I get the card draw. Sixth place was a mono green Tron list. We haven't seen Tron very recently, or at least very much recently. So that's pretty cool. Tron was, in my opinion, probably the biggest victim of yeah. Morris. Yep, yeah, everything you just cannot outgrind Morris. Yep, and like it's just and. Luris just pushes the format to be so fast because everything has to be small, and it, yep. you just you're never gonna out accelerate a Luris deck when everything costs two or less. Like they're when you're going to your if you Tron out on turn three, they've already cast three spells. Yep. So Rethragged us in the main. That's kind of cool. I don't think that's a I don't think that's a green Tron staple, but it's definitely a cool card. You know, f five mana for a five three. The ETBs gains five life and then leaves a three three when it dies. It is a backbreaking card. It can in be in certain matchups. Well, yep. and it it. It probably is very good against Grixis. Like, mm -hmm. that card is just grindy as hell. Yep. And you're going to have time to get there. Yep. So you got, you know, uh, both the Karns, uh, four Karn and seven Karn, two Ugins, a couple Olamogs, and then all the things you need to create colored mana like Chromatic Sphere, Chromatic Star, and your uh, Sylvan Scryings, Ancient Stirrings to find your Tron pieces. Also, we are running two Besaju because, again, deck scoops pretty freaking hard to a Blood Moon, or at least it used to. They get to run uh, Force of Vigor, though. That's true. Well, they choose to, yeah. obviously. It's easier, for it's sure. Easier. Uh, seventh place was a Storm list. So you heard me talking about Storm a couple weeks ago with a really cool Twiddle Storm list I got from Brian Cook. This is not Twiddle Storm. This is like, this is Baral Storm. So you're using Baral as like your main enabler, which like one of his, one of Brian Cook's complaints is like, it's really hard to stick a Baral and then be able to go off because it's a one three, dies yeah, to everything. Dies now, to obviously, me. when you do stick a Baral, it's insane because your all of your ramp spells cost one less. So like pyritic ritual Turns and into basically a red dark ritual. Yeah, like the like desperate uh, desperate ritual. These things go insane when they cost one less. Mana morphose. You're like you just net mana like freaking crazy. But it's a it's a pretty standard uh, Baral storm uh, storm deck with. And I'm glad to see gifts ungiven back in uh, mm -hmm. modern. It's been a long time since we've seen gifts ungiven. Discovered I mean, before since like I don't think I've seen it in the top eight since mm -hmm. this no, we have podcast. Not. Uh, and it's one of my favorite cards. It's to me that that card is the epitome of good design. It's expensive. It's very it it seems wide because you can get four of anything, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a very you it's a very tactical card. Yep. You only get to use it in certain decks that have a bunch of redundancy. Yes. Like you have to build around it. 
And that's what I like to see. That's it, for anyone that hasn't seen uh, Gifts Ungiven, <clears throat> you search your library for four cards with different names, and then you're basically your opponent gets to pick two that go into your hand. Yep. And the other Let's two go, in the go into the graveyard. So obviously there's a lot of piles you can build where you're winning no matter what with things like Pass in Flames. Um, and then you, know, you get, you know, sometimes you just get a couple... Uh, like a couple more rituals to keep going or like a grape shot pass in flames. If you have a boatload of mana is like, there's no good answer here. Cause right. I'm getting it no matter what I'm going to in the, the answer is you put the grape shot in the graveyard and yep. you make them cast the past in flames, then make cast the cast. grape shot, but they still get to cast grape yeah. shot and I, they still dome you I for get 20. Both of these, no matter yep. what. So but yeah, a pretty cool list. I don't think there's anything particularly crazy here. Discover the impossible is something I've seen getting played in a lot of these like stormy tile style decks. It's a really cool three mana instant. So you look at the top five cards of your library, exile one of them face down, and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost if it's an instant with mana value two or less. So almost the whole deck. Yes, and that's the point. Is like this is just three mana to look five deep, find an instant, and play it for free. And that's, I mean, one of the most powerful things you can do in Magic is play things for free. One of the second most powerful things you can do in Magic is tutor. This isn't tutor, but this is selection. And selection is very close to tutoring. So being able to tutor up a card in the top five and then cast it for free is very strong. So I'm not surprised at all to see a couple of those making their way into this list. Well, and the the, the last clause on there is super important. If you don't cast it, you still get it to go in your yeah, hand. Yeah, it, it also just goes into your yeah, hand. So like if, God forbid, it's Gifts Ungiven is the top one, you just get Gifts Ungiven into yeah. your hand. Like the, like the floor on this is pretty low. Yeah, like it, it, it almost never misses. You, you will need like whiff, five but, lands on the top yeah. to not get any. And it, like you'd still get the card. Well, the thing is, at that point, is it even a Would you spend three mana to not, drive, not yeah, draw I five mean, lands in a you row? You basically paid three mana to not lose the game. Yeah, so like it's a very good card. It's expensive being at three, but a very good card. And then eighth place, Boros Burn. And it it turns out that the the Boros Burn guys that never adopted Lurus were right all along. Yep, they've just they, been practicing for the actual meta. They were just preparing <laughs> for the eventuality of Lurus being banned. So, oddly enough, this is still a Lurus deck because Boros Burn was always a Lurus deck. And, I mean, two in Snaring Bridge in the side. That That's how you're not a Lurus deck anymore. But uh, Goblin Guide, Monastery Swiss Beer, Eidolon, this actually looks very, very similar to Jordan Barrenhouse's list. Yeah, I mean, it's this is basically... It's with, almost identical. With a few changes, I mean, the primary thing being the lands, but like this is what burn has looked like for like the past yep. since skewer the critics. And I'm happy to see it still being here. without Luris. I'm happy to see it still here. Five hundred fifty bucks, five hundred seventy bucks for a top tier modern deck is really good to see. I like seeing modern be accessible for that like five to six hundred dollar range. Great to see deflecting palm. That card is just <laughs> the awesome. ultimate fu. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna win. That card no, has so many. <laughs> just like well, especially like, in like how a do Merktide. I- prime time like yeah. trons like you got so many big yeah. things going around you're just like pink it has so many of those <laughs> like your opponents like how do i lose this game oh that's how <laughs> oh if they gain eight life and i get <laughs> and i, and I lose eight life if i attack myself for 13 <laughs> yeah one way to lose <laughs> yeah that's one way to lose <laughs> Meta game summary uh five decks so actually very similar to like our actual decks in legacy 15 and a half percent murktide regent only three Hammer Time decks, but so 15.5% Murktide, which is, in my opinion, a very acceptable amount for the best deck this week to have. And then you've got uh, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10% with Hammer Time, Amulet Titan, Mono Green Tron, Blue Living End, Elementals, Death Shadow, or, and then Death Shadow and Blink and some other. We're getting into twos. So, like, the metagame is narrower than it was with Lurus, but it's still very diverse. And this is by no means where the metagame will settle. 
modern is the wild west of people playing whatever they want all kinds of crap right now that's that's the only thing that like you and i again we talked about it a lot last week but that was the only thing with luris that i was really worried about is i didn't think the metagame was just going to become awful afterwards but i'm worried that it's going to solidify more where there's a very strong like structured tier one and tier two that are just taking up huge portions of the format because Mm -hmm. luris allows so many of those like random brews to work and yep. I mean, I, it, it, obviously time will tell on that yeah. that's not and something we what, like, we've had this week. discussion so many times we are like a hundred percent on the wrong side of the aisle in terms of like like the 10 out nine out of ten people are like yay ban lures glad it's gone um i think we took like i'm really happy with our opinion where it's like we're both happy or we're not mad lures is banned i just like i wish you'd pick better reasons to ban cards than just it and someone saying it should be banned but it's just like we're just so like in the minority, and I no one, no one's ever, no one's been mean to us, or no one's been like you're a bunch of fucking idiots. But like, because we are, <laughs> I don't think we're gonna get random people on our side. Um, before we go any further, you you saying that made me think of something. Uh, Vic Coleman on uh, the Kendrick Cartel Facebook group, I have seen your message, I have read a chunk of it, and I will respond. So if you're listening, I am sorry I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, I've read most of it. It's been I've been pretty busy lately between like even on my vacation, I'm still working a second job. That's the best thing about my vacation is I only work one job a day now Yay. instead of two. And between, uh, so like the first thing my wife told me on Monday was like, Hey, when you get home from work, cause I, I was still sleeping and she like, can you make sure and like do the dishes and pick the house up? And I was like, of course I can. Sure can. So then I went to work until three o'clock came, got groceries, came home and did one of them. And I, I, I will respond. I promise. But I have just been a little busy slash lazy equal parts of both yep. on that note, that reminded me of something I brought up right after we wrapped last week. And I would like to know if anybody is listening that could even answer this. And this is a serious, sincere, sincere question. It's not trying to be snarky or anything. Was there a single Luris deck that had an unacceptable win rate? That's that I, 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 I would like meant to, to bring it up last. I would love to see it yeah. because like if we're talking about historical bands, Merktide Regions got 15% of this tournament. Like again, well, that's like, one tournament, but the, like the, the the immediate argument is if it did, why didn't they say it? Right. So like that's the just because a card's popular. I, it's one of those things like so uh the band committee or Watsi's silence speaks volumes to me. Where they didn't say it wins too much. They didn't say it's too high a meta per share. It, they didn't say so yeah, they said it's weird. It's got an unacceptable number of four X's. Uh, four X's. <laughs> or it'd, be, it'd be four O's four. in leagues. Yeah. Okay. Neither of us are opposed to Lurus being banned. <laughs> We're okay with the the cards bullshit. It's just that I wish you'd ban cards for better reasons. Most played cards. <laughs> Lightning Bolt, Expressive Iteration, Ragavan, Mistress Bubble, and Holy Heat. Mistress Bubble still in fourth. So I, I was wrong. And everyone that screamed the sky was falling and Mistress Bubble's worthless were also wrong. Also, explain to me how Ragavan's not breaking the same rules Lurus is. Next. <laughs> Top creatures. Ragavan. Right. Rage Chandler. In 34% of decks. <laughs> 34%. Merc Tide region. That's only half of Dell. That's only half of uh, Force of Will. Take a chill pill, Matt. Uh, Merc Tide region. volumes about legacy. <laughs> Fourth, Fury, and then Endurance, and Top Spells, Lightning Bolt, Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bubble, Unholy Heat, Force of Vigor, and Fifth. That's kind of a cool thing to see in Fifth. That's a very specific piece to, very specific answer to see as the fifth most played spell in 41% of decks. That might be why we didn't see, you know, a 17% meta share of Hammer Time like we usually do. Well, yeah, well, I imagine, well, the big thing with me, like, if you're just kind of metagaming that out, one of the things with Force of Vigor is... If I remember correctly, let me think about this before I just speak out of my ass here. 
Yeah. So Force of Vigor destroys them. And if you're pitching two cards to destroy two cards, you're even on cards. Mm -hmm. Well, if they're running Luris, that doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. You need to be going up on cards. So you need to be paying, playing powerful effects that shut everything down. With Luris gone, you can afford to trade one for one and the cards that you've actually and cards. Mm -hmm. That would be my thinking there. Like Force of Vigor seems on the surface like it's a good answer. When you can afford to play that one when for you, one game. When you can one for one them because that's effectively what it does. Yep. Uh, but when you when they just bring the stuff back with Luris, then what's the point? You need to you need to shut yep. stuff down. And Especially in fact, with you it, often don't want to destroy. And it. it doesn't even answer Luris itself. Like right. it's not removing two permanents; it's removing two artifacts. Right. All righty. Well, uh, let's move over to our last topic this week. It was a relatively quiet week in Magic, other than um, some drama on Twitter. With the best of my knowledge, I I want to say it was I I didn't look into this, but I think it was a semi popular Magic content creator or player. Uh, spoke poorly about Elden Ring and some opinions he didn't like about it, and I guess the internet blew up on him. Which, so God I will forbid you not like a video. So game. I'll take two seconds again on my uh, soapbox and say I like Elden Ring. I love Dark Souls Three. I love Bloodborne. I don't think the 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 Soulsborne community should be this gatekeeping community that decides if you're not good at the game or don't like the game, you are just bad and should shut up. Bloodborne's not for everybody. Elden Ring's not for everybody, and I hate to break it to anybody. The game isn't perfect. Right. There are, in my opinion, some things I don't like about it. Some UI uh, decisions I don't like. Some gameplay mechanic decisions I don't like. As someone who has a couple hundred hours in Dark Souls 3, I'm not a pro, but I'm somewhat vetted. It's not a perfect game, guys. It's good. It's very good. It's not perfect. And it's also not for everybody, so stop hating somebody because they decide they don't like the design of the game. In my opinion, you don't have to agree with them, but you don't have to bash them. And it's I mean, Dark Souls is the epitome of get good scrub. See, that's where I want to jump in. Uh, this is in no way a knock against the Dark Souls series, but the Dark Souls community as a whole seems to think they're the hardest games ever. And they're not like on top of that. If you if you have any interest, even tangential interest in speedrunning, if you want to see some actual good video game players Watch speedrunners. Now, yeah. people do speedrun Dark yes. Souls. So again, there's going to be a Venn diagram over uh -huh. there of, of like hardcore yep. gamers who also yeah. like you these have games. speed runs. You have no hit runs. You have right, and they have that in Dark Souls, and they have that in a myriad of games. Like when you watch a pixel perfect run of Super Metroid, I don't care that you've beat Dark Souls. That doesn't make you some badass. And again, it's not directed at you, Jake, because I know you love that series. But it's the the Dark Souls community as a whole thinks seems to think it's like the only difficult. <laughs> in the world it's, it is and a it, very specific genre of skill intensive difficult gaming and that's fine yep. but like the i'm right there with you the because i heard you talking to i think it was derek last night we're talking yeah and like you were just like you know you hate the dark souls community too and like i don't even engage with them but like say, it's been everywhere i say i hate the dark souls community I know, but, but like, i'm disappointed in them well they have that attitude yeah where they think the, some the, do the loud the, ones do i don't want to i don't want to say everybody the loud ones well do. the loud ones are the ones that you see on forum but. yeah they're, they have this attitude where, like, A, the series is perfect, and mm -hmm. it's not, because no series is perfect. Exactly. That's, again, you can have an excellent game, and it can still be riddled with, you know, faults. Issues. Small, medium issues. Sure. And then, B, people have been playing hard video games. Dude, I watched a guy, Battletoads, the, uh, I think you're on, like, a surfboard or something. That level is, like, legendarily difficult. I watch a guy do it sitting away from the TV. He was effectively blindfolded and did the whole <laughs> level perfectly. So don't talk to me like the only people who are, are good, good at video at games. games play yeah. dark. Like, come on. Yeah. 
So to wrap up this, I just, to to my fellow, I've also seen a bunch of Elden Ring yeah. drama. So like, I, I'm glad you brought it up. To my fellow Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, and Elden Ring players, please do not take it as a personal insult if someone doesn't like the game or has issues with a particular UI or UX experience. Right. I play tons of games nobody likes. Anyway. Almost exclusively. <laughs> One thing we were definitely going to talk about that wasn't Elden Ring and a huge side tangent. Game's great, though. Give it a shot if you can. Uh, side Norna on Twitter sent us a link to a pretty cool brew that some people over at Faithless Brewing MTG, uh, they have a podcast about it. I believe it's just Faithless Brewing MTG is their podcast. But it's uh, they've got a website. I will link it, but it's faithlessbrewing.com. It's kind of a cool brew, and with it being a relatively quiet week in Magic, other than a bunch of drama that I don't want to spend 20 minutes talking about, I thought we'd talk about this kind of fun-looking new combo deck they're trying to brew up. So it's built around this Temeshi Reality Architect. It's a three-mana 2-3. Let me take a deep breath here. Whenever one or more non-creature permanents are returned to hand, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. So you can pay X and white. You can, uh, sorry, so you pay X white and return a land you control to its owner's hand. That's the cost. Return target artifact or enchantment card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield and activate this only as a sorcery. So how do we abuse this? And the way Faithless Brewing wants to abuse it is with Lotus Bloom. So with Lotus Bloom, you could essentially pay zero. So for the price of one mana and bouncing a land, you could put a Lotus Bloom from the graveyard into play, tap it for three mana, rinse and repeat. And each time you do that, you net two. It's yes. effectively a dark ritual. You're kind of dark ritualing. You're only going to draw the card the first time, yep. but pres presuming you have, uh, we decided if you had four lands, you could easily get 12 mana, I think. If you had four untapped lands, you could tap all of them, use Teshi or Temeshi with a Lotus Bloom and net between 12 and 15 mana. So the payoffs that they're looking at is something like Cultivator Colossus. So it's a seven mana trampler. Uh, it's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. So oddly enough, you can't bounce all of your lands. You have to leave one out at least. Mm -hmm. If you want the cultivator. If you want the cultivator, time. which we the math we did again was if you had four lands, because I think turn four is about the earliest you can probably go for this safely. I mean, safely. Yeah. Is uh, you could net 12 mana with uh, with all the things if you could untap and have all four lands usable. And when cultivator clauses enters the battlefield, you can put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. If you do draw a card and repeat this process. So it's a great way to net a bunch of mana, bounce all your lands, play a cultivator, replay all of those lands and draw three to 10 cards, depending on, I mean, if you keep drawing lands, you get to keep putting them down. Yep. Your cultivator Colossus is going to be a four, four, six, six, ten, ten, 10, whatever. Some other payoffs we saw were like Ashaya, like it's a good, like five mana. Again, it's a star star. So it's power and toughness. You can other lands you control. It makes non-token creatures. You control forests. So you can start bouncing creatures to get extra value. And then something like maybe Emrakul for like a hard, hard top end. So you well, know. the nice thing is Emrakul is only five. You only need five lands and you can get an Emrakul out because each one effectively gives you three. Well, you could do four, couldn't you? Because you don't need the land. But four would bounce. So if three of them make you 12, well, you could. I think you would four of them make you 12. No, it would. Yes, but that, that's leaving one land in play. Well, I'm not, I don't care about leaving a land in play. I'm saying know, like if but, you were. Uh, what I'm saying is if you bounce that last land, you get another two mana. Because you get to you get to dark ritual one more time with the thing. You see what I'm saying? If you if you if you get to twelve mana and one land in play, then you could bounce that one land, but you only go to fourteen because you would dark ritual. You'd pay one to go up to so you dark ritual. So you would need five. I'm a roundabout way. You were correct. I just went through my yeah, head you differently. You basically need five. I I just look at each land you you 
you effectively get three mana from each land. You're mm-hmm. picking a land up and getting three mana. Yeah, because you could tap it for mana and then yeah, use you, it to help pay the assuming cost. Assuming they were all untapped, you tap yes. it for mana, it pays for the dark ritual. Yep. You pick it up, then you get three. So the key point of this is you do have the ability to make oodles and oodles of mana as early as turn three or four. Realistically turn four. Realistically yeah. turn four. Um, there's, there's tons of other things you can do with it. So you can do like sculpting steel and like a dark steel citadel to like um, have a have an artifact land that you could be bouncing infinitely. You could bounce it, replay it, bounce it, replay it um, without without a cheapening cost, though. I don't think you're gaining mana with that because sculpting steel costs three and you're only getting three from doing this. But I could be wrong. Oh, no, because it comes in and taps for a mana. That's how you're getting mana with it. So the sculpting steel would come in. You'd pay three mana, have a copy of land, tap it. And keep the cycle going. And so now I think you're netting a mana there. So that could go infinite, I think. Uh, and you've got some other loops here and just like some really good combos. So things like Dry to the Elysian Grove, Seismic Assault, Urza Saga, uh, Artificer's Intuition, Amulet uh, Amulet of Vigor, Razor Tide Bridge. There's, there's all kinds of like, this is, you know, Fateless Brewing. This is a brewing haven of what you can do with this super powerful card. And the top end is, I think, appropriate. So we talk about when you're playing Magic, you're trying to brew, especially a combo deck, the top end has to be there, and your top end for a even moderately complex c- combo has got to be winning the game. It's just got to be winning the game. So something like Cultivator Colossus into Emrakul is very likely winning the game. Like, that's those are both pretty yeah, likely to if happen. If Emrakul sticks, the game's over. I mean, you cast Emrakul, you get an extra turn. So, like, and the idea is if you cast the Cultivator, draw a bunch of cards, put a bunch of lands out, maybe keep it going, you could get that Emrakul. Um, so the combos top end is there, I think. Now, a turn four combo is not uh, uh, crazy. It's not like super fast in terms of modern, but it's kind of on, like there's plenty of decks that are winning on turn four. So that's not ridiculous. What do you think, Matt? Like is our, our top end is there probably. What about our floor? The That's the issue I see with this deck is it it's got a lot of cards that either do absolutely nothing in your combo and that are almost impossible to cast without your combo. Mm-hmm. And it's got, uh, the combo pieces themselves are fairly easy to disrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people aren't going to like this, but Tameshi dies to like every yep. single removal spell that sees play in um, in modern. Like there's, I mean, it's there's, a it's a three I don't mana. Think we saw one in the top eight that wouldn't kill her. Yeah, it's a three mana two three. So yeah. fatal push, lightning bolt, unholy heat, uh, solitude. Like and with her being at sorcery speed, any instant interruption stops the combo dead unfortunately yeah i mean you basically you just wait for any of these triggers to yep. to get on the stack solitude her and um they're just done with it being a graveyard based combo any graveyard hate stops yep. the combo cold so rest in peace sticks and you're in yep. trouble tormod's crypt or a night hill spell bomb yep. just, just wait for looking. that lotus to hit the graveyard and exile yep. it yep the the one of the things i saw about it that i see as a very potential problem is i mean one of the things you want in combo decks is as much redundancy as possible, right? Because you're just not always going to draw two of your four ofs. Yeah, you either want redundancy or cantrips. Yes. Now, this deck could run cantrips. The problem is Modern has pretty bad cantrips. Things like uh, Consider and uh, Visions. Serum Visions. What's the, is it Tomb Scout? Not Tomb Scour. Thought Scour. Thought Scour is probably a very good one for this. Because, I mean, you always could dump a Lotus Bloom straight in the graveyard instead of suspending it. But only having four Tameshi and only having four Lotus Bloom, it makes it a lot less consistent. And so it's going to be hard building a dedicated combo deck around that. Now, the other problem with that is I don't see how you could squeeze this into another deck like the Day Breacher combo. Day Breacher requires like four cards for a streamlined combo where you need two Hole Breacher, two Days Undoing, that's it. Whereas for this, you're going to need a couple Lotus Blooms, which are not the best on their own. 
a couple Tameshi, which are not very good on their own. Does basically nothing on his own. And then some real payoffs, which are pretty bad on their own. Something like Cultivator well, Colossus. By their very nature, they have to be expensive. Yes. Or else why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Like, Emrakul is not that good on its own. So I, I don't know how, and I haven't listened to the po- their their uh, their podcast or if it's just a, a video, but they have a what looks like a solid like maybe hour ish on this. Let me look at they have they have timestamps. I won't give them credit for their length of their podcast. Yeah, they've got about an hour on this, hour and five minutes. So definitely check them out. I'll get a link put up for you guys to listen to it because I mean I didn't listen to it, and and they could maybe be answering all of my questions. But as a outsider looking in, I see problems here. I see this being a little bit more of an against the odds style deck than like a really powerful contender. Yeah. Well, you could, I could see this filling like once, like if you got some dedicated, like hardcore brewers playing it, refine a list. I could see this being in the same camp as like mill mm-hmm. where like or maybe dredge. Yeah. Where they're, they're, they're decks are solid tier three. If you are an expert at this deck, you could mm-hmm. probably show up and win a tournament with it. But I don't see this taking over the format. It's very, it's I mean, going to be relatively simple to hate out. <laughs> I tell you what, I will eat my hat if this takes over the format. I don't, I don't see this being even mid tier two. No, we're talking about, that's where I put mill is about tier three. Yeah. Like tier two is stuff like burn and basically tier one is like Merktide, Grixis, Grixis Death Shadow. Yep hammer time and like yep. one of the yorion lists. you could probably put like i guess say like storm being like a low tier two like living end is probably a tier two yeah uh mono green tron is probably in that tier two ish yeah i don't this is not going to be tier one this is almost this is certainly not going to be tier two burn or not burn this is like mill affinity dredge dredge stuff yeah. like that where you're going to have like in the top 32 we consistently see one or two of those yep. decks every week yeah i could a hundred percent see and that's to be to me personally, that's great. Like if you can sit down and brew a deck that once a week makes top thirty-two and probably once a month maybe top eights, good on you. Oh, that'd be amazing. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, but that's not to knock that this in any way. It's just this deck has like just because of the nature of the combo has some built-in weaknesses. Kind of like playing elves. Elves cannot take over legacy. Mm-hmm. There's just too many. Uh, yeah ways to counter the deck that's this yeah this kind of thing this whole dies removal thing it's like every deck runs so much removal and, and your combo is just cold dead to a piece of removal and like we yeah. talked about you don't even like you are you don't have great counter magic i mean if the stars align and you get to go like turn four you get to cast your lotus bloom that you suspended on turn one it resolves you get to cast Tameshi, and you can start trying to go off with counter spell up that's probably as good as it gets that's going to severely reduce the number of mana you're able to produce because you're having to pay right. mana in to get At started. That point, you almost have to have the uh, cultivator yep. colossus to keep yeah. the chain going. And you can't, so like, like you can't force negation because you're never. This is always going to be something you're doing on your turn. Yep. It's, uh, it's it's going to be hard. It's doable. Like I said, I, I think the ceiling is there, but the floor is very, very, very low. That's one of the problems with infinite mana combos in general versus something like Splinter Twin or Show and Tell. Like you can make all the infinite mana you want, but by its very nature, it's a three card yeah, combo at minimum. Two, at minimum. Yeah. Now this is more like a eight card combo. Yes, because you have to have you the lands. Have to have the lands. Yep. Like there's no way around that. And like I know it's like oh, of course you have lands. That's not a given. Right. I mean, it's not it's not that hard to go into turn three and you miss a land drop and now you only have three lands. And Do now you, you have push enough back a turn to combo off. Meanwhile, Merktide's beating you in the face for eight. I mean, maybe someone that Lotus Blue might get countered on the way down. And on top of all of that. That's if you have encounter no interaction at all. Mm-hmm. Thought seizes everywhere, counter spells everywhere. Yes. 
sword or not swords to plowshares prismatic ending and solitude are everywhere yep. furies everywhere path exiles in a lot of decks too right like there's like that's that's if you all you did was race so yep. like if you were racing hammer time or burn where yep. they're just not going to really bother interacting with you you could maybe pull it off but even then i think they probably have quicker clocks potentially so you're, yeah you're kind of behind the eight ball in and general. so one thing we talked about is like so do you so to build this deck we've decided you probably can't put it as a combo in another good deck because i was seeing something like you know you like arc like like phoenix decks are doing something kind of similar where you're binning a lot of things you could try and bend that uh whatchamacallit you could bend the lotus bloom yeah. you could be digging towards your tameshi but i just i don't the package is too big to dilute an already good deck and make it way worse so do you build this deck as like a control style deck or like a like what like are you running like counter spells are you trying to like splash for black to run lots of removal and disruption like but whatever deck you build it's going to be so thinned out by a lot of combo just takes a lot of fluff that becomes a combo i think you almost have to go almost all in on the combo you'd probably you could run obviously i'd probably run force of negation just to make sure you don't yeah to try and like stop some stop some shenanigans shenanigans i mean i would probably run black i'd probably put black in this because like you're i think the hand disruption is probably gonna be the most important thing for this deck to stop your opponent from its fast start season duress yeah and uh, or Kozilek and to remove those counter spells. Well, and what you want, you want some action on the turns that you're not going to be doing it. So mm-hmm. like, you don't want to like, because I, I think you have to plan on this happening on turn four or later. So you want all of your interaction to be happening on turn three or sooner or be free. Yep. So that you can still do it while you're uh, trying to combo off. Yeah, it's, so it, it's, it's an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle. It's I definitely not impossible. I mean, I, I definitely see the idea of this deck having legs. Um, but I think it's gonna be hard. I, I'd be I'm eager to see. I'd, say, I'd love nothing more than to come back in two weeks and be talking about this in like 13th place. That'd be cool. Yep. Well, that I'll be like honest. I, said, I think it has potential to yeah. be. It's a I, it it has potential to top 32 a challenge. Like, I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think it will either. Be cool if but, it did. But any kind of deck that has like that can just combo off and just win, which is what in theory this is trying to do. Yep. It has the potential to be there. I think in modern, the problem is the answers are way better than the cantrips. And that's one of the things that mm-hmm. keeps combo down, like dedicated combo. Especially slow combo. Right. So, I mean, like the slowest combo that's like really good is probably like prime time. And that slow combo is predicated on a 6 6 that ETBs and does a thing. Right. So even if you kill it, and that which, deck does but, everything it can, yeah. you accelerate it. Yeah. And when it, when it ETBs, if you don't kill it, you just die. And if you do kill it, they're super accelerated by going to get two of any land. So, I mean, a really cool deck, a really cool idea. I hope it goes well. Uh, tons of thanks to Faithless Brewing MTG for writing this really cool, like, kind of dedicate, um, kind of long article about it with lots of descriptions and interactions they're talking about that I will absolutely get in the description. A uh, big thanks to Side Norna for tagging us in it so we can talk about it. I and would, I'd love to see this deck in modern if careful study was legal. Obviously, oh my gosh. Like, but there'd be, there's so many better things to be I doing. Know, but that's this that's what this card that's what this deck needs Mm -hmm. because like having to rely on casting the lotus bloom is a huge downside and i know uh in their article they bring up artificers uh intuition Mm -hmm. but to me that just complicates things even further well you now you need another piece you you're adding another piece then you need another artifact to discard now you're turning a effectively a two card combo plus a a payoff into a four or five card combo yep and now and you're talking about magic christmas and land and just more fluff right or like so imagine if you do have the lotus bloom on suspend this is just a now you're just a dead draw now right. you're just drawing dead cards correct uh it interesting it's an interesting deck 
like I said, I'm excited to see it hopefully do well. Yeah, I, I did notice something we'll on here. I think uh, walking ballista is probably what I go for. Go for with the win. I think yep. I would cut. That's Emmer Cool is a pipe dream because you're never going to cast it if you don't combo off. Whereas walking ballista, walking ballista is um, diverse enough or like flexible enough that you could go like, oh well, I can only generate nine mana, but that's a one sided wrath of God. So and yeah. that'll buy me time. It to, could be enough to reset. Right. And then if you had then like <clears throat> if you cut the Emrakuls or whatever, you run art the Artifacer's Intuition, then you could do something like that where Maybe. like you have just fewer dead cards because like I don't want to run a bunch of eight drops. Mm -hmm. Like that to me is just bad. Like when are you going to cast? It's risky for sure. You, well, I mean, as somebody who runs again, I know I talk about it a lot, but it's the deck I have the most experience with. I run elves. You know how many opening hands I've had where it's like two natural orders and a progenitus in my opening hand? Yep. Like that is that shit's real. They just find their way and to your hand. That is exactly what this deck is going to have. Is you're going to have Emrakul. You're going to have one of each of the big ones and yeah. like a sculpting steel in your. Yep. Like, or the uh, or the opposite, where you've got all the pieces, you've got infinite mana, and it's like, okay, come on. And then on. you're still reliant on Pay drawing off. into... Payoff. Right, you're like, cool, Payoff. I can generate 20 mana turn, pass. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm going to get beat in the face yep. with Death it's, Shadow again. It, these combo decks, it's, it's just, the combo decks that have multiple moving parts, it just gets... Multiple moving parts with very low redundancy is rough. So, like, uh, to the comparison, the combo deck I run in Modern is I run Reanimator, and obviously I only have four Archons, so I can't up the redundancy on that. But what I do have is four Unmarked Grave and four uh, faithless mending, Faithful Mendings to draw a discard. And uh, uh, no, that, that's the Unmarked Grave. Unmarked Grave is in Tomb. Oh, is in Tomb banned in Modern? Heavens no. So like, but I have eight ways to uh, draw, either to get it it's straight totally into the yard. Illegal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, either to, you know, draw and discard it or just search it into the graveyard. I what in tomb. tomb yeah it does yeah <laughs> maybe you know what? we'll put up for legacy <laughs> it seems pretty bad in legacy too um although in vintage you do just get black lotus yeah. maybe maybe we're looking in the wrong category maybe we need to go fight right. against vintage decks well the lotus well that's the problem that's i mean that's fundamentally the issue with lotus bloom mm -hmm. is like well, there's a reason it doesn't see much play correct it's it came out i was i was playing magic when it came out everyone was super excited like the world was like the magic world was like, holy shit, mm -hmm. we're getting Black Lotus again. Yep. And it hasn't really done much of anything. Yeah. And for good reason. Like, it, it doesn't come down till turn four at Minimum. the soonest. Yeah. So, I mean, well, the, at that point, the, what do you need three The best for? clear example is Profane Tutor. Profane Tutor got spoiled, and a lot of people were like, oh my God, Profane Tutor, that's amazing. It's Demonic Tutor. Demonic Tutor is so good. And it's like, it would be if it wasn't two turns from now. Yep. And if you're cascading, you're cascading into bigger crap, like uh, crashing footballs or yeah. living in. Yeah, I don't want to cascade into a tutor. I want to cascade into uh, eight power on the board. Yep. And because of the way those decks are built, you don't want more than one thing you can cascade into. Exactly. All right. I think, to be fair, Profane Tutor might have seen some play in Legacy, might have, back in the days of Bug. Uh, Maybe. Shardless Agent, like Shardless Bug. Value, value cascade. Like, I could see... The argument being made of like, do I want to cascade into Ancestral Recall or Hymn to Tarrock or Demonic Tutor? Mm -hmm. Like I could see those being like, yeah, I wouldn't mind having something like that. Maybe. Maybe. Again, Maybe, a lot yeah. of that's just kind of generic two for ones. Yep. That's kind of what you're doing. I don't know how much you want a specific card, but like that's kind of where I could see that happening. But like you can't rely on the suspend. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if you ever to put a uh, profane tutor in your cascade deck, the only thing you ever profane tutor for is another cascade card. Right. So like I, I, I why why 
Well, I mean, you get the two two out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, yep. all right. Ra- wrapping things up, we went longer than I wanted to, of course, but that's fine because we had a lot of fun talking about this really cool brew. Fatelessbrewing.com. I'll get you guys linked in. Super cool deck idea. Oh, yeah, for sure. A, this is a, the kind of deck we used to brew back in the day. A super cool call out on a, on a really good, not quite infinite, but very powerful combo relatively early in the game. Uh, big thanks to Side Norna for recommending it. Uh, as Unbanned Splinter Twin. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> As that's we what our, this deck is trying to do. As, yeah, that's true. That's that's why I brought it up. As we wrap up, wrap up our episode, I want to remind everybody to head on over to the Plain Soccer's Podcast uh, Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's Podcast, March 26th at 1 p.m. Basically, anytime like 1 to 7 or 8, we'll probably be playing some commander of some kind. Stop in, say hello, let them know we sent you, and maybe donate some money to a really good charity, Extra Life, to help some children's hospitals. If you want to reach out to us, hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com. If you want to check out our Facebook group like Vic Coleman and write posts that I will, I promise, reply to eventually because Matt definitely won't. Not true. <laughs> I I will defend myself a little bit. The only reason I don't reply a lot on text is my sense of humor and the way I talk does not <laughs> yeah. translate to text. Some, I'm actually a pretty friendly guy. <laughs> if you if you took a lot of what Matt said and just put on a transcript. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't have <laughs> friends anymore. <laughs> Yeah, because like if we're because but like I I take arguing very seriously. I'm a highly logical person, so when that's translated into text, it just I I come off as an asshole sometimes. Yeah, it's very. There's a lot of times I come off as an asshole in person. Yeah, so like the only reason I do that is because (laughs) I don't want to like make something. There's nothing wrong with it, but let's just say to everybody, there's a reason Jake handles most of the social media interactions. (laughs) If you're talking to me on, if you're talking to us on Twitter, you're probably talking to me. Probably me. If you get an email back from us, it's probably me. Yeah. If but you want, if you, you can send reach something out to, to me Matt, pers- yeah, I'll get it to him and I'll if make it. If you tag me specifically, I will answer. Yep. For sure. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to ignore anybody. I just. I'm also just trying yeah. not to piss people off. It's, it's kind of the understood. Like Matt sees it, and I usually talk to him. I usually talk to you about yeah. it. But it's like, and eh, Jake will respond. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times that's what it is. Yep. Like we talk about it, and then you put I, up a response. I, a lot of times I will. I will incorporate his stuff into my response. Anyway, on Facebook, it's just at can or just Cantrip Cartel on Facebook is our group, and on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel. If you want to send us, I mean. If you guys have like a really cool deck list, especially if it's a quiet week, send us your interesting deck list or your brew. And if you want us to kind of look yeah, through it and more give of our, this stuff would be great. Yeah, give I us our, give us your opinions. Like I would rather talk about this than especially some stupid Elden Ring drama on Twitter. Yeah. So just at Cantrip Cartel on Twitter. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Uh, just just like to say once again a big shout out to the Family Gathering podcast. I had a great time this weekend, and everyone should check out their podcast. Yes, I recommend. I'll get I'll get some of their stuff. Like I'll get their main website linked in the podcast below. Uh, super cool podcast where Derek and Joe bring their kids, Jonathan and Valentine, in, and sometimes some of the other family, and just talk about their them learning magic. Yep. And it's and so in terms of eternal formats, they're very popper oriented. Yes. And I like I said I paid like ten matches of popper this weekend. Love popper. Check it out. I think we're all wrapped up. I think we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. So on my turn, I'll go to my upkeep. I will uh, remove the last time counter. I'll cast my Lotus Bloom. Um, I'll go to my main phase. I'm going to sack it. I'm going to cast my Tameshi. Uh, you have any response? No response. Okay. So then I'm going to uh, pay one mana, uh, bounce a land, and, and play my Lotus Bloom. Response? No response. Okay. At I'm, six. <laughs> I'm going to... Okay, well, X6, and we're going to be here a while. Uh, I'm going to float uh, 15 mana and cast Emperor Cool. Fair enough. GG. <laughs>